I know, and you can correct me, I think for the first time um, ever, we have a delegation of young people from our IG Youth Ministry going to the youth conference with some of our youth leaders. And uh, how many we have? How are we up to what? How many now? Seven? We have seven going. They'll be leaving uh, on Thursday the 28th. And it's Thursday the 28th, Friday the 29th, and concluding Saturday morning the 30th. So uh, please be in prayer. Uh, it's a youth conference for all the youth from all over the state. And uh, we are so excited about having uh, young people from KC Wasilla uh, getting to go. And uh, please be in prayer for us for two things. We need uh, uh, some type of large van for transportation. And uh, we have had some of you give uh, scholarship money to help uh, pay for young people to go. Uh, We still have a couple of other young people that would like to go, and they're trying to work on getting their money. If you want to help with that, you can designate that uh, in your offering today um, or any time this month. But it's going to be a great time. And uh, so we just want to thank you for your support of uh, our IG Youth Ministry. Pastor Karen. Amen. as many of you know, we're having our pumpkin patch outreach in two weeks. We are having a meeting right after service this morning, a quick meeting, about 15 minutes. I'm very excited about it and want to thank you all for your donations and different things. Um, we are, if you're, the Lord still leads you and you want to continue to donate prizes or anything, uh, there is a drop box back there. You can see Tammy at the uh, iDesk. We are needing lots of help still. Um, so if you are interested in helping in any way, go ahead and come after service today. Um, ushers, we have a box of handbills. Uh, they're getting them. And I need you, if you can, if, uh, to take a stack because after next Sunday, in one week, none of these are going to be any good. Yeah, they'll be scrap paper. <laughs> so if you can take a big stack, if you're able to, pass them out to your friends, pass them out to your, um, at your employment or whatever. Yeah, can, I, can, can one of you all fellas run me up one of those tickets? Coupons. Here you go. I'll take one, David. Here we go. Here we go. Thank you. So this is what it looks like. And uh, this is just, a, it's a great way to advertise an event. And uh, with the coupon, you get $2 off. It's $3. It's a, it's a tremendous deal. Now, one of, the, one of the great aspects of our pumpkin patch show for the third year running straight is a fireworks show that is absolutely amazing. Everybody say amazing. It's amazing. I'm telling you, no kidding. And that will follow the pumpkin patch event. I've told, I've, I've had people say, man, I ought to pay just for the fireworks show. Anyway, they come and uh, this just, it doesn't cover the costs entirely of, of our pumpkin patch, but it helps. We used to do it free, but we just felt in the last couple of years we'd charge a little bit, cover some of the expenses. Amen. Wonderful. We're going to take a moment to receive our, our daily seed. And um, ushers, if you'd bring our daily seed box up. Now, what is the daily seed? This is something we do Sunday morning, Sunday night as a church family. So if you're just visiting with us, I'll, I'll explain it to you. Some of you are newer in the church and might not understand what this is about. For the past 30 years or so, we have been stretched to fulfill a dream that God has given. The phraseology of that dream now is the 12, 12, 12. Say that with me. 12, 12, 12. And we've been pushing for the past five years to plant 12 more churches in the Hawaiian Islands where we've been birthed from. 12 more churches, that is by the end of the year 2010. We've been doing this since 2000. 
five approximately. So by the end of this year, by the end of December, 12 more churches in the islands, 12 more churches in the mainland. And, and many of you might not know that Alaska is actually part of the mainland of the United States. 12 more churches. Now, we've planted a church in Delta Junction. Tim and Heidi Capo are up there. In fact, they'll be with us this coming Tuesday, so you don't want to miss that. They're going to come on down. Grandma's real excited about that. Praise the Lord. And uh, also, we've planted Anchorage, and many of you have been praying for us to have our own facility, our own building. Please don't stop. We'll let you know the good news as soon as that report comes in. And so we're believing that 12 more churches in the, in the Hawaiian Islands, 12 more churches in the United States of America by the year 2010, and 12 more churches in the nations of the earth. Now, some of you might not realize uh, that we have churches, extensions all over, and there is no nation that's barred. In other words, every nation that God tells us to go to, we're going to go to. Here in Alaska, we're believing that we will open Fairbanks by the end of December I have a glimmer of how that might happen, but we just need to pray. And if it's God, we'll bring it. It'll come about. Come on. Sometimes people sit on, on the couch and, and hope that God's plan is going to come through. That's really not a biblical thing. You, you, you get God's plan. When he gives you a green light, you do everything humanly possible to move through the green light into God's plan. Amen. And sometimes, you know, sometimes that light turns red and God has us waiting. But I believe that it's possible that if God could allow us to plant a church in Fairbanks by the end of December. And uh, how many of you believe with me? Say amen. amen. All right. So this now, this offering right here is something we do above and beyond our tithe. It goes specifically towards the vision of expanding the extensions of KC in Alaska specifically is where this goes. So ushers, would you please help me? If you're making out a check, make it out to KC. It's called the Daily Seed because many years ago... Uh, made a plan to, to just sacrifice a little bit every day. Some people had a little jar that they'd stuff it in, and then on Saturday night they'd pull it out and bring it to church. You know, a dollar a day or five dollars a day, or they'd give up a blockbuster video a week or a pizza a week. Some people some people are giving a hundred dollars a day. Some people give a thousand dollars a week across our extension. But whatever it is, you just believe God. And it's not a debt that we owe people. It's a what? It's a seed that we Say it again. It's a seed that we sow. So we're sowing a seed. How many of you planted something in the ground? Do you want something to come back? What are we believing to come back? I'll tell you. A harvest. What kind of a harvest? A harvest of souls saved. Want to get Alaska saved for the glory of God. United States needs a great move of the Spirit of God. I want to preach on it this morning. I love that anthem song. Awesome. A harvest of souls. A harvest of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. That means acting more like God. Acting righteous, a harvest of righteousness, and a harvest of blessing. How many wouldn't mind being blessed? It'd be okay if God blessed you. One, two, it's okay if God blessed you. Three, four, five. All right, hands going on. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jesus. Are you all ready? If you're not prepared, you can come back tonight. That's when my wife and I sow our, our daily seed. We sow it Sunday night. Would you all stand up on your feet reach your hands out? North, south, east, and west. And let's pray for the great shaking, a great revival, a great reformation to ensue in our state, in the nation, in the nations of the earth, the fulfilling of the 12-12-12. Father, we 
thank you for the privilege of being able to be a part of a great harvest, even for such a time as this, as we were singing. The prophets long to live in the day that we're living in. And our life is but a vapor, and that which you have given or entrusted to us, resources, we sow now financial seed into the soil of this ministry, and we believe that you're going to open up Fairbanks by the end of December. We believe, God, that you're going to cause Delta Junction to become all that you've intended it to be. We believe that you're going to give us a building in Anchorage. I thank you for this facility that's totally paid for, for the glory of God. I pray, oh God, give us a harvest of souls, a harvest of righteousness, and a harvest of blessing, even to the fulfilling of the vision of the 12-12-12. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's come right up to this daily seed box right here. Praise God. actually in a cult. <laughs> One day I'll be able to tell you my testimony, have the opportunity. Um, and in that cult, they we had these two people, basically, I know this is like way out there. Some of you are like, oh my gosh. Anyway, we gave in offerings in, in, in that thing. And, you know, people were really felt strongly about it and, and gave offerings. It was like a tithe. In fact, they required it if you were somebody who was like a member, were a member of that thing. They required that. Okay, and um, because I was really strongly searching for the Lord, actually he had his hand on me and was drawing me. That concept was planted in my heart when I finally got saved. And I was so glad to come to a church. You know, all of everything that we have, if you truly believe with all of your heart that God has given us everything that we need. I mean, everything that we have from God is a gift. The fact that we woke up this morning is a gift. The fact that we have life, the very breath of our being, we have life because of God and the gift. It's a gift. Everything that we have is a gift from him. It's a mindset you have to adopt and, and really have a revelation. Ask God for the revelation if you don't have it. But I was so thankful to come into a church where I was taught and, and reminded of that, and that everything that we have, so our time is a gift from God, our talents, the gifts that we have are a gift from God, and our treasure, our treasure, our, our work that we do with our hands to bring in income is a gift from God, right? He gives us the ability to produce wealth, and I was so thankful to come into a church, into a ministry that's bold, Dr. Morocco is bold about giving us an opportunity. So some of you might come into the service thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go. Great. I love the worship. 
the music. I love hearing about the announcements, but God, I don't want to hear about the offerings and the tithe. I always just talk about tithing. Well, tithing is worship. It's worship. Everything that he gives us, it's all from him. How, how, I mean, I just, you just got to ask the Lord to give you a revelation if you don't know that. Everything that we have is from him. And I was thank, so thankful for Dr. Morocco that he's bold enough to impart and teach us about giving and having the opportunity to worship God with our tithe. Amen? So just a little word of encouragement this morning. If you don't tithe and you don't, it just seems foreign to you, just try it. 10% is not that much. Yeah, test me. It is, it is scripture. Just try it out. He's awesome and amazing. Amen? Amen. Give him a hand this morning. He's so good. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for us. We just thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Mighty God. Wonderful Father. We love you, Lord. So, ushers, if you want to, if you could give out envelopes to those who need them this morning. So thankful. Tithing is just a way to say, I'm so thankful, God. It's just another way to acknowledge your thankfulness for all he's done. Thank you, Jesus. of our hands, the things that we put our hands to, Lord, we're worshiping you and acknowledging that you are the one who's given us the power to produce wealth. You're the one that's given us the power. Lord, you're given us so much, and we just say thank you this morning. We just say thank you for all you've done, and we worship you with the tithe this morning. God, bless your people, as you promised over and over and over again in Scripture, to bless your people, to throw open windows of heaven, God to pour out such a blessing that people would not even be able to contain it. God, do it for your people this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
So I preach a special message to you. Acts 22, we will read verse 25 through Acts 23, verse 7. And I'm reading from a very anointed version, as you can see. I'm going to read to you right out of my son's Bible. I think it's the New International Reader's Version. My son is eight and, of course, is working on and improving in his reading, but I'm just allergic to just storybook Bibles. They, they need to get the Word of God in them. And, um, you know, there has to come a transition where you go from the storybook flannel graph to, to the Word of God. Amen? Are you all there? Acts 22, starting in verse 25. Let's read the word of the Lord as notes are being passed out. A commander was standing there as they stretched Paul out to be whipped. Paul said to him, Does the law allow you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? When the commander heard this, he went to the commanding officer and reported it. What are you going to do? The commander asked, This man is a Roman citizen. Everybody say he's a Roman citizen. It's a Roman citizen. Verse 27. So the commanding officer went to Paul. Tell me, he asked, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, Paul answered. Then the officer said, I had to pay a lot of money to become a Roman citizen. But I was born a citizen, Paul replied. Right away, those who were about to question him left. Even the officer was alarmed. He realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. The commanding officer wanted to find out exactly what the Jews had against Paul, so the next day they let Paul out of the prison. He ordered a meeting of the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin. Then he brought Paul and had him stand in front of them. Chapter 23, verse 1 now. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin. My brothers, he said, I have always done my duty to God. To this very day, I feel that I have done nothing wrong. Ananias, the high priest, heard this, so he ordered or commanded the men standing near Paul to hit him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, You pretender, God will hit you. You sit there and judge me by by the law, but you yourself broke the law when you commanded me to be hit. In fact, in in the NIV... And in other versions, he called him a whitewashed wall. Verse 4. Those who were standing near Paul said, How dare you talk against God's high priest? And Paul replied, Brothers, I did not realize that he was a high priest. It is written, Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Paul knew that some of them were Sadducees and others were Pharisees. So he called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, he said, I am a Pharisee. I'm a son of a Pharisee, and I believe that people will will rise from the dead. That is why I'm on trial. When he said this, the Pharisees and the Sadducees started to argue, and they began to take sides. Father, this morning is not an average morning. We're not here to fulfill a religious obligation just so we can say we've come to church. We're here, God, to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we're here this morning 
to hear even revelation from Your Word. And I'm asking God that You would take a coal from Your altar, that You would place it upon my lips as Your servant this morning, that as I preach and as I speak, it would burn faith in the hearts of Your people. Lord, move in power. Bring Your anointing right now. Come on, talk to God. Ask God to speak to you. God, we thank You for all that You're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Chesterton was a great author and thinker. Influenced people like C.S. Lewis. And he penned a parable called the lamp post. Some of you might have heard of that. In fact, if you've seen or read Chronicles of Narnia, the lamp post has an important role. Let me read to you this parable of Chesterton's lamp post. It reads, Suppose that a great commotion arises in the street about something. Let us say a lamp post, which many influential people dare to pull down. A gray-clad monk who is in the spirit of the Middle Ages is approached on the matter, and he begins to say in an arid manner of the schoolmen, quote, Let us first consider, my brethren, the value of light. If light in itself be good, at this point he's somewhat unexcusably knocked down. All the people make a rush for the lamppost, and the lamppost in a matter of ten minutes is pulled down. They go about congratulating each other on their unmedieval practicality. But as things go on, they do not work out so easily. Some people have pulled down the lamppost because they wanted electric light. Some because they wanted old iron. Some because they wanted darkness because their deeds were evil. Some thought it not enough of a lamppost. Some thought it too much. Some acted because they wanted to smash municipal machinery, some because they just wanted to smash something. And there was a war in the night, no man knowing who he struck. So gradually and inevitably, today, tomorrow, or the next day, there comes back the conviction that the monk was right after all. And all that depends on what is the philosophy of life only that we might have discussed it under a gas lamp, but now we must discuss it in the dark. Chesterton's parable, this lamppost is not fashionable, so people want to rip it down. It's not modern. It's not the current current thing, so they want to rip it down, and, and they do. And they begin to discuss the problem they have now that they don't have a lamppost. This is what has been done in our culture. This is what has been done in America. When I preach to you this morning, I might find myself preaching with great passion. I'm mindful that as I preach this morning, I'm not only preaching to the few hundred that are here, but I'm preaching before God and His throne and before Satan and His demons and before a whole congregation that might even see this later on U Street. The lamppost, light, and revelation. Our culture has allowed the movers and shakers to declare that there is no moral absolutes. The movers and shakers, decision makers, have come to the conclusion that there's no absolute truth. 
that it's only according to what really a person's reason or what might be fashionable actually in the day. In fact, they say that the revelation of the lamppost, which is a picture of Christianity and the Word of God, Thy Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light upon our path, is passe, old school, and really has no meaning for today. So now we live in a nation that are passing laws based on nothing but what people think is right. So we have a whole political, they say don't get political in church, I'm going to step over that line significantly today. They say that, that we can basically make laws according to what we feel is right. The problem with that is that man is not always right. Their foolish hearts are darkened. Jeremiah says that the heart of man is is dark. So we live in a nation where these laws are being passed, where they're not based on truth. The sad thing is is that they're leaving us. These laws are leaving us in darkness. So what are you talking about? You see, as a Christian, if you look at B, as a Christian, we believe that truth, absolute truth exists. We believe in truth, and we believe that there's, there's truth and there's a lie. There's right and there's wrong. And the reason that we believe that is because God exists. And He's spoken through His Word and through His deeds, and ultimately through, through His Son, Jesus, turned to Hebrews. There is an absolute truth. And then as a result, if there's absolute truth, then there's a lie. Is it black and white? It is black and white. What's amazing is that God is a speaking and acting God. Come on, somebody say, I believe in truth. I believe in Hebrews chapter 1, the writer of Hebrews, verse 2, says, But in the last days He has spoken by His Son, whom He appointed heir over all things, and through whom He made the universe. See, what God, we believe what's right and wrong based on what God says in His Word. Now, we have a series of classes called Realities. And I'd encourage you, if you've not been through those, you need to be through, go through them. Because in those classes, you'll understand why we believe God's Word is God's Word. And not something that just got put together by 66 men on three different continents. It doesn't contradict itself. And if you find a contradiction, it's only, become, only because you're uneducated in understanding the writings thereof. And we can help you with that. You need to get into those classes. But there's a great battle going on right now. As we are here this morning, there's a great battle going on over the minds of people. Over That battle is really over a worldview. Look at C. The battle is over what worldview will determine the laws of this land. What worldview will determine... What world, what worldview you have will determine the way that you live. See, I believe very strongly in Scripture. We believe very strongly that adultery is wrong. We believe very strongly that, that abortion is wrong. It's murdering people. Hello. We believe that a man should be married to a woman and a woman to a man. We believe that, that a married couple should be a married couple, not As in Muslim nations, you're allowed four wives. We don't believe that. The reason we don't believe that is based on biblical truth. 
Now, not everybody believes what I just said. Some people believe that we should just kill babies as a matter of convenience. Some people believe that you should have more wives than just one. Got to be brain damaged to have that thought. So there's a battle over a worldview, and that worldview that, that we're in a battle over will determine the laws that are produced in our land. Do you understand? And it's because of that battle and the upcoming elections that I bring you this message this morning. And we have entitled it, look at your notes, The Christian Citizen. Let's look at the text. It's an unusual point in the, the Apostle Paul's life. He is uh, in Jerusalem fulfilling a vow in the temple. And he, there he's seized by some Jews from Asia that really couldn't stand him. And they serve the crowd and they attempt to beat him. Roman soldiers see that a riot's breaking out. And so they take control of this situation. He's rescued, in a sense, by a Roman commander and his soldiers. They take him into custody. And as we pick up the text that we read there, verse 25, Paul is about to be flogged. Flogged is another word for whipped. He's about to be whipped. And he stands on his rights as a Roman citizen. It's fascinating. See, what's so fascinating about that? Because there has been a culture in Christianity that has basically said Christians should just fold their hands, turn the other cheek, and hope that it all works out. I've got news for you. There is a time to turn your other cheek, and there's a time to stand up for what is right. And the Apostle Paul stood upon his rights as a Roman citizen. I have news for you this morning. It is not time to fold your hands in apathy and lethargy. It is absolutely time to stand up and speak and put a trumpet to your mouth. It is not time just to hope that it's all going to work out. In fact, I would tell you that the reason we're in the kind of condition we are in America today is because the church of Jesus Christ, the, 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 the living God, has folded our hands and hoped that it's just going to work out. We've prayed, you know, now I, now I lay me down to sleep. I prayed to your Lord by soul to keep, I'm going to tell you that is not going to change a nation. What's going to change a nation is changing worldviews and truth. America's a unique country. But we're being eroded because truth is being thrown out like the lamppost. So Paul stands on his rights as a Roman citizen and you see it's unlawful to flog a or whip a Roman citizen without a trial. And he had no trial. You see, if the, the soldiers end up in fear, you can see there's like panic that, that comes to the squad of soldiers. They're like, he's a Roman citizen? Oh, wait a minute. And they get the commander, and the commander says, you're, are you a Roman citizen? He says, yes. He said, I paid a great amount of money. So the commander there is saying, I paid a great amount of money to be a Roman citizen. Paul says, King James, I am freeborn. He didn't pay for it. He was born a Roman citizen. Cicero, the Roman orator, spoke of how horrible it would be for a citizen of Rome to be in chains. You see, it was such an honor to be a Roman citizen that even if you were to be put in chains unjustly, it would be under penalty of death or it was considered an affront to the entire empire of Rome. So these soldiers are rightly panicked. So not knowing why they had arrested him, they thought they were just intervening. They let him go, and on the next day, he stands before the Sanhedrin, which is the leadership of the Jewish nation, the, the high priest. 
and all the religious scholars to find out what happened. He figured the Jews could help him out since they pretty well started it. And Paul begins to speak. And as he begins to speak, he's slapped by somebody nearby as the command of the high priest is given to slap him in his mouth. Paul protests the unjust unjust action taken against him because, again, he had not been tried. And when you look at this story and the stance that Paul takes, it's really, it's really amazing. It's really a stance that we need to take as Christians, citizens in America. See, Paul understood that if he had been flogged, he might not survive it. He, he might not survive the 39 lashes. He might have died through that. He understood that. And he understood also that he had a very clear mandate from heaven to preach the gospel, the good news to the Gentiles and to Jews alike. And that he might not survive. So he stood up and he, he protested. It's interesting also that as he slapped, he pronounces a judgment on the whitewashed wall. The high priest exposes him as a hypocrite because he still hasn't been judged by the court. And he's being abused. He said what's interesting about that is that Paul makes that judgment against the high priest, which literally comes about that judgment. God's judgment comes on Ananias, who was a hypocrite. The high priest, he's killed by rebels who are rebelling against Rome years later. So, Pastor, what does that have anything to do? What in Sam Hill has that got to do with me this morning? Well, I'm glad that you asked that. What what does this text have to do with you? What does this text have to do with me? Paul's actions speak to Christians living today in the United States. There's a time to speak up. Everybody say time. There's a time to speak up and exercise our rights as citizens. There's much at stake in our country right now. And just like Paul, we need to stand up and speak. We need to declare what's right. We need to declare what's wrong. Now, we have rights, as you know, and I'm so thankful for the United States. You might not like our country That's probably because you've never traveled. Because once you travel for any length of time, you'll come back and kiss the ground that you live on. Because of the freedom that we have. Now, I know not everything's perfect here for sure, but we live in one of the greatest countries of the world. And it's great because of the gospel. I believe that. Now, we have rights like freedom of speech, freedom of religion, right to assemble, right to, to bear arms, on and on. And one of the greatest rights we have is to vote. Now, you may or may not know this, but almost all of our founding fathers believed in God. Even the deists believed in God. Almost all of them. I'd venture to say all, but I'm not entirely studied up on it, but I know by far the majority. Especially those who penned the Declaration of Independence, Jefferson, and, and, and the Constitution. They were believers. And John Adams. Strong believer. And you can see their faith in phraseology like providence. The word providence basically means God intervening in the affairs of man to bring about His will. That's what providence means. You see, the belief in God was so strong and such a cornerstone of our country that no matter what party you were, if you were part of the Whigs, No matter what party you were part of, 
You would dream of even trying to pass a law that would contradict Scripture or what the Word of God would say. You wouldn't even dream of it because you believed in God. Not so today. It's not so. There was right. There was wrong. The Civil War... Now listen, the Civil War was fought... Many want to say, well, it was just fought to free black saves, slaves... It's, it was, it was, that was one of the reasons, absolutely. Because from the perspective, there were great revivals happening in America. Even before the American Revolution. People like Whitfield. There was great revivals and reformation that swept our country. So much so that the founding fathers, literally all of them, were affected by these awesome revivals that swept through our country. You see, a revolution took place in France. Are you familiar with that? You know why it was called, it was so bloody and so horrible and like a reign of terror? Do you know why? Because they didn't have any great reformation. They didn't have any great, great outpouring of the Spirit. So what, what, what France came to is it was the age of reason. You know what that is? That's very dangerous, people. You see, it's whatever I think is the right thing is the right thing. And that's why all kinds of people were murdered and the guillotine and France was bloody. America would have been like that had it not had a cornerstone of Christianity through these revivals, through these reformations that sweep through the east coast of America. And all of the founding fathers were affected and their fathers were affected by it. So much so that they would never even dream of even voting between... A man and a man or a woman and a woman getting married. I'm kidding. I'm, I, I can't even believe it. It's amazing. Unthinkable. The Civil War was in part due to freeing our black brothers and sisters because Christ died for every man. And all are equal in His sight. And it was a horrible atrocity. Abraham Lincoln said the horrible death was God's judgment on our country. So many people died because of the, the mini ball and, and the different things, the technology of the arms in that day. And it's just horrible, horrible, horrible war. Now, about 40 years ago, a counterculture move, movement came to America. Some call it the hippie movement. Some call it the free love. It wasn't love and it wasn't free. And they began to come against restraints like restraints on sexuality. Why, why, why is it that you can't have sex before you're married? They began to challenge things like that. And our nation began to pull down the lamppost of Revelation, which is really the Bible. So we're in a time of darkness today, and I... I want to talk about how we can bring our country out of darkness. I want to talk about our rights, inalienable rights. Declaration of Independence talks about inalienable rights or inalienable rights simply because we believed in a creator. You see, they're eroding all of that through, through evolution. You see, if we came from apes, it's easy to kill a baby. Easier. They begin to erode that, and, and we're in trouble. I heard a story in Washington, D.C. Cabbies there in Washington, D.C. are mostly Ethiopians, from what I understand. And in a conversation with uh, a pastor and this female lady that was driving, an Ethiopian lady driving the taxi, 
was talking about how the mayor, mayoral election in D.C., that the mayor was courting all the Ethiopians to get their vote. And she said, we're not voting for him. We're voting for the, the, the opponent. And then she said, I love this country. This is a great country. Because she came from an Ethiopia that was basically communist. He now lives in a country where you can actually vote for somebody and you can put them into office and that person can make a change. You see, democracy depends on us. Let me say it again. Democracy depends on, on us. The problem is that in our nation, with the foundation of, of the Word of God, the inalienable rights. Let me read this to you. Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Created equal. And they're endowed by their Creator with a capital C. With certain unalienable rights or inalienable. It's the same word. And among these are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Those inalienable rights, or another way to say it, those natural rights come from our belief in God as a country. But there's a whole movement that's trying to remove all of that. Trying to move God, remove God from the money, remove God from the capital rotundas, trying to remove the Ten Commandments, trying to remove that. And as Paul was not silent, we must not be silent. We cannot be silent lest we lose our freedom. A lamp post, people, needs to be relit. Guess who's going to light it? We're going to. It's up to us. Amen. We'll speak up about what we believe. Democracy doesn't work without, without God, and it doesn't work without right or wrong. It, it, it erodes. It, it it erodes, and the degradation of our whole society is causing, causing an eroding of our democracy. We're in trouble, people. You see, if you don't have right or wrong, and you don't have, you don't have absolute truth, then <laughs> you can end up with the same situation in Gaza and the West Bank. They elected Hamas. They're worse than the terrorists. Democracy's fragile. Anybody ever live in Oregon before? How many of you lived in Oregon in the 1980s? 1981. You ever lived in Oregon? Yeah, when you know what happened in Oregon in 1981. You ever heard of a, a loon by the name of Rajanish? Rajanish. Anybody ever heard of that? Okay, Rajanish moved with a whole bunch of his followers to a place called Antelope. And he began to set up his government, basically. He took over, I think it's a county. It's a county of Antelope. They took over, basically, the county and began to uh, elect the officials. And we're going to put Rajanish, the guru, as the head guy. And if you opposed him, they poisoned 750 people in a marketplace with salmonella of people that opposed him. I mean, we had like a gazillion Rolls Royces or something. I remember it very vaguely. He said, I wasn't even bored in 1981. Well, listen up, because I know they don't teach you history in school. They basically took over a town. They renamed it Rajanish Purim. 
and they attempted to basically take over the entire county. They started two biological warfare labs. They wiretapped their adversaries. Look, democracy is dependent on you and I standing up for what's right. Hit, listen to me. Listen, Hitler came to power on one vote. One. Just one. So what does that mean? I'm just telling you, if you don't get involved in the political process and vote, that, I'm telling you, that's what this message is about. It's about the fact that as we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of His Word need to stand up right now. Need to stand up and declare what's true and what's a lie. And if it be persecution, let it come. Because we'll stand before God for it all anyway. And if you fold your hands and zip your lip and just hope it's going to work out, it's not going to work out any more than it worked out For Germany, with Hitler, Hitler brought to power with one vote in a place where Martin Luther had the Reformation. Hitler, basically in his political propaganda, overtook a country and killed six million Jews and millions more. You say, that can't happen. It already is happening in America. Forgive me if I get a little fired up, but we have killed generations of babies. We have killed them. I think we killed the, the, the baby that had the answer for cancer. I think we killed Einstein's. I think we did. And now there's outsourcing and all kinds of things happening all over the world. And we're saying, how can our government do that? We have allowed for the murder to take place in America. It's really sacrificing our, our children to Moloch. And as a pastor... People don't see the lives of the pieces that we have to pick up from people who are broken and destroyed because they killed their baby when they were 18 because of convenience. I am preaching better than your amen. I'm going to go encourage myself. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, it's time to reignite the lamppost. It's time to stand up like the Apostle Paul. We can't be silent lest we lose our freedom. Fill in your notes. Christian, the problem, so Christian, instead of voting for a candidate embraces and, and that embraces their values, they vote for a party or for some other reason. Now listen, I was so confused when... When our president, who I pray for every day, and so should you. I was confused, almost confused. I just, I mean, it made sense after I pondered it for a while. But when, when President Barack Obama got elected, I was watching, I watched the news. And uh, you better believe I was disappointed. And who did you vote for? I didn't vote for him. Why? Has nothing to do with him being black. Has everything to do with all of the issues based upon scripture, about abortion, same-sex marriage, all of that stuff. Has everything to do with that. My best friend's black. Praise the Lord. I got lots of best friends. Pastor Vince Vincent. He's been up here. He'll come again. He's one of my very best friends. I'm not prejudiced. Has nothing to do with him being black, is that I didn't want him as president. But I didn't want him as president. I did not vote for him. I'm crossing the line today, aren't I? Praise God. Ah. 
simply because of truth. He wasn't standing wholeheartedly on the issues that I think made it's most important. And so when he got elected, the country went ballistic. And when I watched the news, I saw our black brothers and sisters shouting hallelujah, spinning around rejoicing. I'm going to tell you, it's an amazing thing and a great thing for healing for our country that we have a black president. I think it's great, the aspect of where we have come from civil war and slavery and, and the persecution that our brothers and sisters have taken. For, that, for us now to have a black president is an awesome thing. However... And it brought great healing. It's tremendous. I remember this one lady getting out of her car in D.C. with the, open the door. There was Hill songs playing in the car. Do you remember that? Hill songs coming out of the cars on a news live newscast of the guy holding a holding a, a, a camera. She got out and it was like you know this great Hill song thing, and she's just going. She was worshiping with all her heart. You know why? Because of the race issue in our country. It runs deeper than any of us here understand. However, if you vote based on whether somebody's black or white, you're a fool. You must vote as a believer based on truth. Now I'm going to get some emails this week, but Pastor Barry's going to, Minister Barry's going to go through all of those for me. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You don't vote because you're a Republican. Listen to me. Listen to your pastor. Don't vote because you vote on Republican party lines and you vote right. There's Republicans that are fools. And they're totally not going to stand for what you or I believe in based on biblical truth. Don't vote just all the way down Democratic because you're a Democrat. No more than you should vote for Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck. You vote for people based on truth. You vote for people based on issues, and that can go across party lines. You say, why are you bringing this message up? Because you're going to vote very soon, and it's very, very important that you stand up as a Christian citizen. Come on, somebody. Say amen in the house of God. Politicians don't worry about, don't worry really about after they get into whether, (laughs) most people don't even know what their politicians voted for. I mean, the laws that come down, it's just most people don't even realize what what they're standing for. We need to know. We must stand up for what God says is right. Look at C, or stand against what God says is wrong. Now, there's many things you could talk about this morning. I want to just hit two issues. We must intervene in the rights of the unborn. Now, we might not be able to, I should say, this morning, we're probably not able to overthrow Roe versus Wade. The Supreme Court's got to do that. I believe it can happen. I believe, I believe it can happen, and I believe that if we do our part and that happens across the nation, that there could be an overthrowing versus Roe versus Wade. We can elect people that stand for life. If you elect, if you if you vote for somebody who's basically an abortionist, and you'll stand before God for it. Millions and millions of people have been killed on the altar of convenience, on the altar of Molech. You know what Molech is? Israel, in a time of apostasy, worshipped Molech in the Valley of Hinnom, I believe it's called, where they would offer their children to this god Molech. 
partial birth abortion. Does anybody here have any idea what partial birth abortion is? It is absolutely heinous and evil. Is that a child can be cut into pieces right before it's born and terminated. You say, well, I'm not running for office. No, but you can call people. You can, you can call senators. You can call congressmen. You can send emails. And if thousands upon thousands of people get together and call and email and, and vote, then they will think twice about when they're voting for partial birth abortion. You can make a difference. Amen? Know who you're electing. All right? Now, the second thing is we must preserve marriage as God intended it. So what about discrimination? I'm glad you brought that up. How about it? They're discriminating against us and God's word and what God says is true. How about that discrimination? Huh? How's that for flip the coin? You see, the main argument, and I, even now I can almost hear in the spirit, the main argument that they have is that homosexual marriage is based on, how many of you want to hear this? Homosexual marriage is, is based on a civil right. Civil right meaning that if you're Japanese and you were persecuted during World War II, you had, a civil, you had civil rights that were violated. Some of you know about that. If you're black and you were persecuted for being black, that's a civil right. How many of you agree with that? Absolutely. You were made that way by God. So the argument is that basically homosexuality is, is something that God has ordained in, in mankind for, for them to be attracted and, and have, that it's a natural thing for a man to be with a man or a woman to be a woman and it's a choice and that it goes, it just comes down to a, something from God. Now here's the problem. The problem is that has been disproved over and over and over again. In other words, they're saying, why shouldn't I allow to be uh, uh, married to my, my, my lover if I'm a man? Why not? That's a civil right. You're breaking my civil rights. The problem is it, it's not like being black or being Japanese or being Caucasian. It's not a civil right basically because it's been proven that there's not a DNA shift in DNA. They've looked at all kinds of stuff, and there's been thousands upon thousands of people that have been delivered from a lifestyle of homosexuality. I know, I know, I have friends of mine that have been set free that are involved in ministries that are, that are seeing people delivered from that all the time. So now we're making a law based on what they feel is right or a civil right instead of truth. And look, there's always, there's got to be laws of regarding sexuality. Every culture has laws regarding sexuality. And if you begin to erode that, you begin to erode that, let me tell you what's going to happen shortly. Then you begin to talk about when somebody can get euthanasia. They begin to talk about that. They're already talking about that. That's already an issue. Then they'll begin to talk about, well, you can have multiple wives. I'm telling you, that's coming in America. That's coming. Multiple wives. Why not? It's illegal right now. Do you know it used to be illegal to commit adultery? Oh, yeah, you could be arrested for committing adultery. Now, this is insane. Watch this. We can sue somebody who breaks a contract with us, but it's, but it's legal to break the most important contract there is, the contract and covenant of marriage. How crazy and insane is that? There's laws in our culture 
they're, they're about sexuality. God had laws, you know? And the reason is because without them, a culture gets destroyed. Now, go study your history. For those of you that are a good Berean, you know what a Berean is? A good Berean is somebody who hears truth or hears the word in a text, in a context like this, goes home, studies out what I'm saying to you. You can listen to it later online and, you know, God help me if I've said things that are off. This is how I understand it from the word of God and for what God's, what's happening in our country. Every nation. Every culture that, in, that embraced homosexuality ceased to be a culture, ceased to be a nation shortly thereafter. You go look at that. Rome's one of them. We're only 200 and what? 200 and how many years old? We're young, this nation. Been prospered like no other, and it's because of the word. But if we don't stand up as a Christian citizens, we might not have one. There needs to be laws about age limits. You know, I don't know what the legal age is for a child for a child to have uh, to have sex in Alaska. It's probably thirteen or fourteen or something. I think that's sixteen. Praise God. All right. So if if somebody commits that act and they're under sixteen, it's called statutory rape. Now, are you thanking God that there's a law for that? I am. You know why? You know why? It, it keeps people from, uh, from targeting youth and making them sex toys. They're, 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 they're not mature in their thinking. So are you thanking God that we have a law like that? You better thank God. Yeah. Yeah, but do you know when you start eroding, you start eroding traditional marriage and you start voting these things in, soon you'll be voting for how many wives you can have. Soon you'll have the pervert begin to vote for what the lower the age limit because kids are growing more mature now, earlier. I'm telling you, they'll come up with whatever kind of illogical nonsense from hell to try to vote this stuff in. Time to stand up, people. Oh, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Let's move to the next point. D, look, and I, I need to preface, and uh, let me back up and say, I, I love people, black, yellow, white, homosexual, Caucasians. I love all people. It's just sin, people. It's sin. Are you allow homosexuals in our church? I hope they come by droves so you can all work your gifts of ministry and love these people so that they can get set free. Uh, but for the grace of God, go you and I, people. He said, oh, that never could happen to me. Oh, the devil's a bad devil. He's a bad devil. Amen. So we're just supposed to love people. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Right? Jesus loves the little children of the world. God loves homosexuals, and so do we. You love the, love the, love the sinner, hate the sin. You, you heard that before? All right. You must be concerned, look at D, about what we leave for the next generation. We have a generation that's coming behind you. I'll tell you, I am very aware of the fact that I am getting older, and it seems like in a hurry. I feel like I'm 20. And yet, I'm not. I know that might be surprising to some of you. I'm, I'm in my I'm at middle age. I'm halfway to 90 just about. You know, 70, I used to think 70 was older. That's 78 old. 
Come on, somebody. 78 old. I'm realizing, man, there's a generation coming behind us. We've got to leave them something. Amen. All right, here we go. Take action. Everybody say taking action. Let me, let me conclude this message. Got to pray. Every day, pray. Everybody say it. Pray. Every day you got to pray. Pray for the president. All right? Yeah, I love our president. God bless him. I think he's doing his very best. I think he's doing what he thinks is right. He's a product of our, of our nation. He is. Now, you might not agree with all the things he's doing. I, think, I don't think he's willingly doing evil. I don't think he's Satan. I don't even think he's the Antichrist. Some of you do. I don't even people think, oh, Obama's the Antichrist. If, you, if the church would get behind him, pray for him, he'd have a visitation of Jesus. I, I, I've, I've talked to those who have been close to him and studied his life. A man that wrote the book of the faith of George Bush and different ones. They say he's a believer, that he's prayed the sinner's prayer. He just doesn't believe like we believe. Believes a little different. You know, Abraham Lincoln wasn't a believer when he came to office and one pastor in New York Presbyterian Church befriended him. He got gloriously saved. And look what God used him for in our country. Come on. So we need to pray. God's powerful. He can touch anybody. You say, he can't touch my mother-in-law. Oh, yes, he can. Hey! He can touch your mother-in-law. He can touch the president. He can touch your husband. He can touch you. The second thing you need to do besides pray is we need to call. Everybody say call. Call, question, and support. Call elected officials. Tell them where you, where you stand. Send emails. And send money. You know, the church, you, praise God, we take offerings here to move the kingdom forward. It's wonderful. We're going to continue to do that. But how many of you know, you need, to see, you need to put your money where your mouth is. It takes tremendous amount of money to run campaigns. And if you're going to stand with somebody, you ought to give to them. Help them. If they stand for what you believe in. Don't be nasty and offensive. Let me say that again. Don't be nasty and offensive. Listen, the second you get all squirrely, pull out your fangs and start screaming some rhetoric and, 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 and praying in emergency tongues over your representative, is the moment he turns you off and calls you a nutcase. Okay? Calm down, be polite, and speak the truth in love. And don't stop speaking the truth in love. Stand up and be counted. Last thing, vote. Everybody say vote. vote. Find out what candidates believe. Now, there's, some, there's, some, there's a handout on the table that Edna has put out there for us. There's some websites you can go to. The election's coming up on, on November 2nd. It's a Tuesday. And uh, if you haven't registered, it's too late. But you can certainly commit to do that for the next. There's going to come some more elections, people. So you can register, but you're going to miss this election. You need to vote. You're, you have a God-given responsibility living in this country. Get out and vote. Everybody say vote. You must be a Christian citizen in our society today. And I'm going to tell you that if our country goes to pot and you didn't vote, then you could just sit there, be quiet, and suffer. If you don't stand, then we're, if we don't stand up, then we'll be blamed for the loss of freedom. For the darkness that surrounds us. Because the lamppost has been ripped down. We need to relight the lamppost, people.
We have an obligation before God to do it. Stand up on your feet. Give God a hand clap of praise. Come on, let's thank Him for our, let's thank Him for our great nation. Come on, thank Him for the United States of America. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank You. Now, Father, come on, let's pray for our country. Father, we stand, Lord, before You. Come on, thank God for the United States of America. God, we thank You for our country. We stand before You as the church, Your people. And we ask and pray. For you to forgive us. Forgive us, God, for not standing up earlier. Forgive us, God, for just hoping that it was going to work out. Forgive us for all the murdered babies. You say, I I didn't murder any baby. Well, what we're doing is we're doing what's called identificational repentance. Nehemiah didn't do all the sins of his forefathers, but he stood there before heaven and he asked God to forgive him and his people for the sins of their forefathers. That's what we're going to do right now. Lift your voice. Come on, pray. Forgive us. Forgive us for for all the murder that's taken place. Forgive us, God, for even allowing the perversion to creep in while we sat quietly in the church. Oh, God, let a new anthem be sung. Let this generation rise. May the voice of your people be heard, not only from on high, but in the land. May people put the trumpet to their mouth and sound the alarm. Bring America back to you, God. Lord, even these elections, Jesus. Come on, you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost. Do it right now. Shabba America, America, wake up. Stand up. Christians, stand. As the Apostle Paul stood, so we need to stand up in this hour. Come on, we're going to sing that song. He's calling, wake up, child. It's your time to shine. Wake up! You were born for such a time.
of the wonders of God. Reignite the lamppost, O God, in this land. Reignite the lamppost of truth and revelation, Lord, in Alaska, in the United States of America. right out loud with us. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for rising from the grave for me. Forgive me of my sin and be my Lord. Thank you for loving me and hearing my prayer. Amen. Holy Spirit, touch and fill your people. As the great awakening swept through our country before the revolution and at different times so there is a third great awakening that God is going to bring to our country I believe we're a part of it but we must stand up it's not time to just do church and just walk through life business as usual it's time to stand up people Father, we stand, God, as a remnant of your people. And we ask, Lord, that you would allow us, give us boldness to vote, to call, to support, to pray. Until the tide is turned. Until the lamp of revelation and truth is relit in this country. We are not doomsdayers. I believe the greatest reformation has yet to come and is coming. There's a great awakening. It's even, we're even at the door of a great awakening. Come on, we gotta stand up as Christian citizens. How many of you are gonna do that? Say I. Come on, how many of you are gonna be stand up and be counted? Say I. Amen. Praise God. Take someone by the hand all across this place. So glad you turned out this morning. There's a meeting immediately following this. Pumpkin patch immediately following right here in the sanctuary. About two, three minutes after. 
don't don't miss tonight. I have a powerful word for you tonight. I know I I know I got a little political. I've not done that really before, but I wanted to stir you up to action. Come on, let's pray. Father, pray for the person on your right and left. God, thank you. Let this word be cemented in our hearts. May we be people of action and boldness. As we pray, as we call, support, give. Oh God, thank you for the privilege of being an American and the greater privilege of being a citizen of heaven and the responsibility that we have as your ambassadors, your people, ministers of reconciliation. May we hold forth the the word of truth, the lamp of the word, light upon our path, a lamp unto our feet. May we hold it forth in the way that we live, the way that we speak, the way that we vote. Reignite the lamppost of truth and revelation, God, in Alaska and in America, even in the nations of the earth. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.